Welcome back to another meeting of the Order of the Straight Arrow. You have myself, Troop Scout leader Dustin Lays with Beef, across from me. This is Denim Smoking Dart. <laughs> I wish you, one of you had a dart. You gave up the patch, man. I just ran out of patches, but I also don't have any darts, so I'm just Denim still. <laughs> Fair enough. And adjacent to the two wall boys, you have myself. I'm Miles, a.k.a. Chief Runs with Bins. And we have our very favorite member of the clubhouse with us today. Hello, I'm Elder Little Pond, and I'm <laughs> back for more. <laughs> so happy to have you back. Thank you for making the trip. So let's kick this meeting off like we do the rest with the straight arrow oath. So for those of you in scout uniform, three-finger salute. Those at home in civilian clothes, hand over your heart and repeat after the historian. A straight arrow tells the truth. A straight arrow loves nature. A straight arrow suffers from chronic GWS. And a straight arrow is always against Bill H.R. 57, which would allow the importation of South American propane. Can I get a round table? We Matanya! We Matanya! Thanks for joining us, Nate. And uh, I'm just going to quickly intro this episode and get us rolling. Uh, so this one is called Junkie Business. It is the 32nd episode overall. This is the 20th episode of season two. Written by Jim Dotrieve, as uh, the namesake of Bill. And this is his fourth episode written after The Sun That Got Away, The Company Man, and Snow Job. I think all of them kind of... Relate to Strickland propane. Pretty, I mean, except for maybe The Sun That Got Away. But, so yeah, I mean, lots of them involve Strickland. Ironically, it doesn't have much Bill. Yeah, and that was the same thing with the last Dale episode, too. Johnny Hardwick wrote it, but there wasn't a whole lot of Dale. Yeah, that's true. And so this one is directed by Cindy Tang Loveland, but I think now she's just known as Cindy Tang. This is her second. She was a director forever on King of the Hill. The only episode before this was The Unbearable Blindness of Lang. Mm, that's when we had uh, Mr. Two Entrees on. <laughs> yeah. The director intro for this episode was... Kind of weird. Nathan, do you want to describe that? We watched it. Okay, so um, Peggy had one of those, like, uh, what do you call those? Those, like, bands around her her arm, like the thing that junkies do, and they, they tie themselves off. And, like, Hank was, like, tapping her arm yeah. to, like, get her <laughs> veins ready. <laughs> and both of their faces were, like, messed up and, like, yeah, psychedelic. And the background of it all would look like an intro title card to, like, a Beavis and Butthead episode. And it just said Junkie Business. And it was, like, swaying in, like, green and purple kaleidoscope sort cool, of colors. Actually. I like that. Well, yeah, it was kind of Sounds dope. So thanks for that. Uh, and before we get into the actual episode itself, we have to follow tradition and do Little Pond's Ponders. <laughs> Right, welcome to my quiz. Um, today, actually, the quiz is a little bit different. Um, it starts off the same. I'll ask you all two questions. 
but I'm going to keep score because... Is that the only difference? (laughs) (laughs) Because there's lots of prizes today. No, because there'll be a final question for the prize, which is... Uh, this bag. Wow. Chocolate uh, on chocolate. It's delicious. It's actually, I read it, it's caramel covered in rich European chocolate. Um, Yeah, it looks like chocolate. Um, Anyway. score, Nathan. Do you get that on the ferry? Uh, No, I got it on London drugs. (laughs) How it works is that I'll do the same old two questions, and then the... Whoever has the highest score gets like the first chance for like the bone, the final question. The bonus round. And whoever gets it right, and I will say the bonus question is non King of the Hill related. Oh. So it's right. just like general knowledge, I guess. Okay. So let's start off with the right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have a lot of that. <laughs> it's my least favorite area of knowledge. <laughs> Let's start off with the regular questions, and I'll start off with Miles, Dustin, Denham. That's the order. So how many times in a row has Hank won Employee of the Month? You're talking to me? Yeah. Uh, 41. Dude, don't look down at your notes, man. I didn't. It's my favorite band. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, now, Dustin. Wait. Why doesn't the first man being interviewed eat at Lulee's? Because they use lard. That was correct. <laughs> <laughs> you both have one point. Okay, denim. This one's kind of tricky, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) What is the name of the old man who was on welfare every time there was a Democrat president? It's... Oh. It's... uh, Is it... I wanted to say it's like Wilson or Williams or... What is... uh, Oh, Harrington? I'll give it to you. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's Mr. Harrington. I'll, I'll let you have that one. I found a friend. Okay. Um, oh, Miles again. What is the name of the woman that calls Strickland? Wait, what is the name of the woman that calls Strickland and Leon mistakes the company slogan to taste the meat, not the heat? And, you know, she's upset and doesn't want to be a customer anymore. <laughs> I have no idea. All right. So... Uh, <laughs> There was a huge look of disappointment on Nathan's face. <laughs> it's Miss Shattuck. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't have got there. Okay. Um, Dustin. When, I know you know this one, Ma. When Bobby calls <laughs> Hank a co-dependent enabler, whose words was he using? Like, he was quoting someone. Like, you're what so-and-so calls a co-dependent enabler. Two tall Jones. <laughs> That is correct. <laughs> oh, wow. Right now, Dustin is in the lead. Okay, final question. What disability does Debbie claim to have? One where she always has to lay down? <laughs> Something about verticality? Uh, now I forget. I don't know. Can I answer it? <laughs> yuppie flu. Oh, it is the yuppie flu. <laughs> All right, so I guess I'll, the ranking system is... Dustin won. Yes. Then Miles. Rigged. Then Denim. Okay. And this is how it's going to work. <laughs> I put <laughs> way too much I want these reasons. What happens now? So I ask the, the final non-King of the Hill related question. And since Dustin's first, he either gets the chance to answer it right away if he thinks he knows it. Or he can pass to Miles. 
but if you pass to Miles, Miles gets to guess, but then it goes back to you and you get a clue. We would like it. <laughs> you get you get third chance. Uh, so I'll go Dustin, Miles, Dustin, Denim. Oh. But like it, it might not go to get you. When, <laughs> when when do I get to spin the choice? And, and like no interrupting either. <laughs> okay. No interrupting. I have the talking stick. Okay. As he said it. <laughs> he ignored my question. <laughs> <laughs> it was interrupting. You'll have none. All right. So my question is, okay. The top 100 stream songs on Spotify, according to Wikipedia, 99 out of 100 of them are from this decade, like 2010 to now. Can you name the one that's not yes. from this decade? Yeah, no, the song, and don't pipe in because it might that, get to you. So the one song out of a hundred that isn't in isn't from the twenty tens. Okay. So it could be anything before. Yeah, it, it could be oh nine. Okay. You just gotta select the decade. the the one. No, no, song. no, you gotta name the song. You gotta name the song. Yeah. Journey, don't stop believing. No. <laughs> Is it Bohemian Rhapsody? It is. Yeah. <laughs> it was 50. I, I guess you win the reason. <laughs> sweet, sweet reason. I just thought it was weird that there was only one song not from the 2010s. Sp Spotify sent me an email with their like whole like their whole like uh, breakdown of all these fun facts. And yeah, I think Ed Sheeran was on like three of the top ten. He's number one, but I think he had a few songs that were like astronomically high for amount of plays. Yeah, because I saw that Queen is the number one like selling band of this year because of the movie. You're not even going to open those reasons, eh? I actually think when I read that, it was before that movie, but it's still just an insanely popular song. Mm -hmm. But Don't Stop Believing is a good suggestion. Yeah. If this was 2009, <laughs> you'd probably have won. I probably would have. Thank you for that, little pawn. That was a fantastic set of ponders. They're getting better and better every time. And, and I'm getting worse. <laughs> you started out really good at this game, and I was shit, but I think I'm a little bit better now. Little pawn, will you take us to the synopsis? Uh, yes, I will. <laughs> Hank accidentally hires a drug addict at Strickland Propane. He did it on purpose. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't know he was a drug addict. Hank's employee of the month for <laughs> the 49th, 41st time in a row. Is it the first scene? No, yeah. Um, how does it really start? Are they, he's having a meeting, right? He's having a meeting, but then his uh, burritos <laughs> need to exit, <laughs> so he's got to move it to his back office. Okay. <laughs> he finishes the meeting on the toilet, and... Um, I, I did take a note that um, a couple of the employees, like one of them looks like a young, better looking Peggy. And then like another one is like Wes Archer and Steven Root. Like I think it's just like a... Oh, like depictions of them like yeah, in yeah. cartoon form? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's that, um, is it that Adderley? He kind of looks like Steven Root. He's the one with the glasses and he wears like the tie, I think. Yeah, I don't even know if he has a name. What, Adderley? Yeah, it's the... Remember Jason Adderley? His son's Howard Adderley. <laughs> oh, no, I think it's, like, actually, like, I've never seen him before. Oh, it's I just think it's, like, actually just, like, straight up mm. Stephen Root. Is the Wes Archer the same as, like, the one that you see when he's in an episode? Like, it looks the same guy. Yeah. 
That's a fun little cameo. I kind of want to take a screenshot of that. But yeah, the whole point of it is that the whole point of the meeting with Buck is so Hank is tasked with hiring Strickland's newest employee. Well, exactly, because... Don't let me down, Hank. You do, it'll be like spitting in my face 41 times in a row. It's <laughs> a lot of pressure. That's a lot of spit. <laughs> so Hank would like nothing more than to do all of Buck's work for him, and he takes this task to hire the new accessories associate. <laughs> uh, and he practices his interviews with Bobby at home. And he's got a great set of questions. <laughs> well, here's one that gets at the heart of the matter. We're all Christians here. How about you? <laughs> I love how into it Bobby is. We used to throw him those curveballs. He's like, oh, are you married? And he says his Boy. wife died 20 years ago or something. That's a good one, son. <laughs> Actually, I think Bobby suggested he should be hired. And he's like, that's another good one. No, he's like, keep throwing me those curveballs. <laughs> yeah, but of course, uh, Peggy kind of butts in and sets the tone for the episode, uh, which will come into play a little bit later. But she's like, you can't discriminate based off of, you know, religion, oh, gender, race. It's uh, age, race, religion, and sexual affiliation. Exactly. And so I was kind of interested because I was like, well, what can you discriminate against when hiring somebody? I think it's just shirt and shoes. Um, and also political views. I was reading that you can discriminate and not hire somebody based on their political views. Like in America or Canada? In the, oh, America. I mean, that makes sense, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, they aren't going to hire you if you're communist, so <laughs> it makes sense. That's the, that's the second rule, isn't it, Nate? The who? The what? Isn't it the second rule or is it the third rule? Uh, second one. I don't know. It's the second and the third. I do like this ongoing theme of Hank's questions, how he's really concerned with how people feel about Lulis. Yeah. If you could eat at Lulee's with one of the following, would it be A, Jesus, B, Muhammad, C, Golda Meir? Ah, uh, I, I don't eat at Lulee's. They use lard. <laughs> Do you guys know who Golda Meir is? No. No, I was hoping someone would tell me. She was like a one of the early presidents of Israel, like in the 70s or something. Oh, okay. 60s. Is Hank for or against her? No, it's like he's. It's just his way of to asking people if out. they're Jewish <laughs> or, or or Christian or. Yeah, it's his roundabout way of trying to find out what their religion is. Yeah, it's like he thinks he's. Well, my, mind you, he is skirting the law yeah. by asking, <laughs> "Who would you ha rather eat dinner at Lulee's with?" That's true. Yeah, like it becomes quite clear that it doesn't matter what you look like or what's on your resume, it's if you're Christian and like the Cowboys, then you can work at Strickland. Those are the only two things that seem to matter. And really, if you like the Cowboys, it's just, that's it. So obviously, yes, we're at Strickland now, and we're kind of going through a cycle of bad interviews that Hank's doing. And who shows up, but... I have killed all the bugs in Arlen. It is time for me to take on new challenges. My resume. <laughs> hey. <laughs> 
oh, I love when Dale comes in. Like, you know, there's like an ant or something on his resume yeah. <laughs> as he hands it to Hank. And Dale goes on to claim that he's uh, owned and operated Gribble and Sons Propane Yuma, Arizona, 1984 to press him. <laughs> and I found out that Yuma, Arizona is the hometown of former UFC MMA heavyweight Cain Velasquez and Cesar Chavez was also born in Yuma, Arizona. <laughs> nice, I know those names. Viva, Viva Chavez. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and it's it's funny because that bit about Dale having the uh, the propane business in Yuma comes up again later, and Hank's just well, like Hank's first, just like I've known you like forever, like there, that didn't happen. <laughs> wasn't like wasn't he like she's no good? I dealt with her in Yuma. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Was just like, wait, like I it let I let it slide. I didn't notice it the first time I watched it later, uh, but I watched it again. And I was like, wait a second, you was never in Yuma. <laughs> you just made this shit up. She's no good. <laughs> I mean, Gribble does have many plans involving lots of sons, so... Additional Gribbles. Yeah. You don't know me. I am unknowable. <laughs> so after all of these terrible applicants... Yeah, there's a, a long list of dud candidates we see come in, especially that elderly man who has been on the welfare for most, <laughs> most of his life. And yeah, there's Lard Boy and then Dale, and then... Um, Hank assumes it's a man named Mario, but is in fact a woman named Maria, and she is very qualified. I just have a question. So was the man on welfare because he was happy that the Democrats let him be on welfare? Or was he unhappy that the Democrats took away his work and left him on welfare? I didn't understand that. The way I see it is that every time an old man complains, it's the government's fault. Yeah. But is he complaining they took his job or complaining they took his welfare? Which one did he want more? I think he was happy to be on welfare. Like, it was a welcome. And so he was he upset was, he that, was, It made I it guess... seem like he was, like, waiting for another president to let him be on welfare. To me, it, it felt like he was totally okay to be on welfare. Yeah. It and it was like, like he's he was forced to be in the job cool interview. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, now I got to try and find a job, which sucks. Yeah. <laughs> And he's old, man, because he started in the 30s on welfare. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, he should be retired by now, but I guess there's no pension on welfare. No. Yeah, so uh, we see Hank, and he, he, he calls out again for a Mario. He's not quite convinced <laughs> that a woman would be applying for a job because there is a certain comfort level you need to be with grills. So he just assumed that no women would apply. Uh, I was a little, like confused because there is there are several women that work at Strickland like mm -hmm. two of them were managers of the other branches which we saw in the snow job episode I mean I guess maybe it was just for the accessories position I mean she walked in and she was like pretty up on the char king and yeah. stuff and maybe this this would be a woman that would like work directly under Hank rather than like you know like the lady that answers the phone or something like she would be taking orders straight from Hank. There's multiple jobs at Strickland, and uh, I'm sure Buck has had the t uh, talk with Hank about how, you know, sales is a serious position, and it's only meant for men, and I'm sure that's what he's uh, trying to follow. Well, that or Buck is, like, thinking that if Hank wants to hire a woman, it's so that Hank can have a... to follow in Buck's footsteps oh. and, like... Be just, their daddy. Yeah, like... <laughs> I got you. Hire a work girlfriend for him. Like, Maria was so qualified 
Like her work before that was sales manager, FERB Propane Incorporated. Before that, she was a, <laughs> the sales associate, Marsh Propane Accessories Manufacturer, Galveston, Texas. And before that, she was a junior account manager, gas propane distributor, Abilene, Texas. And she went to Roger Staubach High School and also West Texas College of Business and Industry. So elderly man who <laughs> <laughs> floats with welfare or like 30s? college educated with 20 years of experience. But he thought it was going to make Peggy uncomfortable. Which I have a big bone to pick with Peggy on all of this, but we'll get to that. Uh, right now, I think we're probably back with the guys in the alley discussing Maria. When you say she, are you talking about a woman? <laughs> and this is when Dale pretends to know who Maria Montalvo is and claims that he worked with her in Yuma and that she is simply no good. But Hank is perplexed. He doesn't know what to do. She's obviously the best fit, but he doesn't know how he would congratulate her if she made a big sale. <laughs> because you can't pat a woman on the back. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, or shake her hand. <laughs> I guess, oh no, we forgot to mention the biggest flaw was that she didn't know who Troy Aikman was. Oh, of course. When Hank was asking her, if you are at the Troy Aikman Fantasy Sports Camp, the 14 toughest days you'll ever love. <laughs> He starts to ask her what she would do if she's on the bus back, and then she interrupts him and is just like, I don't know who Troy Aikman is. So she boots the Aikman question, but what do you guys think was the end of Hank's question there? I don't know, but I really do have to side with Hank a little bit, because, like, who the fuck doesn't know who Troy Aikman is? Well, yeah, obviously Maria, fucking idiot. But, I mean, like, she's got to be pretty, like, inept if she just doesn't know who... Especially this time, this is like a, like maybe one year, if not the year, removed from a Super Bowl. It's like not knowing who Tom were. Brady is today. You'd be like, are you at, serious? And living in Boston. Don't know who Tom Brady <laughs> yeah. No shit, yeah. <laughs> I think that's good grounds because, you know, it's not like, oh, she doesn't know who Warren Moon is? It's like, okay, all right, that makes sense. She would have to be a shut-in without the TV if she didn't she know. She was a very handsome woman. <laughs> <laughs> better be careful there, Nate. Why, in the Army, you can get in big trouble for harassing a woman, even if you're her superior officer. <laughs> <laughs> Which is surprising. <laughs> Boomhauer says something different, but I couldn't understand. Well, I could barely understand what he said the first time. Yeah, man, I tell you what, man, you go to work with a woman nowadays, man, you gotta pull out a dude like a Kathleen Willis slick willy, man, a dang willy, wonk, 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 wonk. Yeah, no, the deleted scene, he says, like, something like, you got hair in a soda can or something like that? or mm-hmm. like yeah, I couldn't understand it. Well, this one, I, I listened to it a few times, and I tried to make it out. And I think he says something about Kathleen something or whatever. And then he says Slick Willie. And so what I'm pretty sure he's referring to is the nickname for Bill Clinton was Slick Willie. <laughs> And they're talking about how he could kind of, you know, there's a scandal with Monica Lewinsky, all that kind of thing. Yeah, I heard something about that. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure that's what he's referring to is like, you better watch out in the workplace. Look what happened to Slick Willie. Okay, that makes sense because he's Bill. It just reminded me of when he was all talking about cuffs and collars. And oh. <laughs> but, uh, we move on in the day, and now Hank is uh, expressing his frustration about hiring a new employee with Peggy. Yeah, so him and Peg are laying in bed, and they're kind of like, Hank's saying, don't worry, I didn't hire this woman because she was a handsome, 
And Peggy... Uh, and then Peggy makes up some pure bullshit. If people had been afraid to hire me because I'm pretty and smart, I would have never gotten where I am today. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. But she might be a little more successful if she was actually pretty or smart. Oh, 100%. <laughs> She'd be somewhere a lot better. Like, at least smarter. She is dumb as a brick. Yeah. And then we... Uh, we get to see everyone's least favorite pit of the series. <laughs> hey, can Peggy get intimate? Well, they start by, like, practicing, like, a platonic hug, too. Like, how do I congratulate her? And then one thing leads to another, and then they get intimate. And, and then I, I love when, like, after, like, Peggy's, like, sleeping peacefully and Hank's, like, mortified. He's got, like, his eyes wide open. Yeah. And now I wanted to dive into this a little bit because later we see Peggy being furiously jealous, right? But she's the one who kind of planted the idea in his head. This is what you do with this pretty girl is you sleep with her. And then so obviously. Yeah. Like, like his wires are getting twisted. Yeah, yeah. Like she suggested that they hug. And then. I think for Peggy, I don't think that she made that connection. She at least told him to hug her. Peggy was kind of just like. Just hire the damn woman and, like, end of conversation. Mm-hmm. And then was just, you know what I mean? Like, kind of just it. kept going. Mm-hmm. Like, it seemed that the jealousy really started after Hank didn't hire. Mm-hmm. And that's when Peggy was, oh, wow, she must have been some hot tamale then. Yeah. So <laughs> so why do you think his eyes were wide? Because I think it was because he was thinking. I think he is attracted he, he to He was Maria. thinking about Maria. Yeah. And, it, and that's either like, guilt eyes or, like, like oh, no. Yeah. There's no way I can hire her because, yeah. like. I am attracted to her. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was like that's what he thought would happen if like he I, did give Maria a hug that it yeah. would lead to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's usually what happens when hugs, you know, go. It, like Hank's a regular Monsignor Martinez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the next day, we're at work and Hank's in his office, and the answer to his prayers walks through the door. My name's Leon Petard. Hey, Cowboys, all right. Leon, you just answered my first six questions. They were all about cowboys or God. And yeah, like I said, you're a Cowboys fan. You, you love God. That's it. So we're meeting um, one of my all-time favorite uh, one-off King of the Hill characters, Mr. Leon Petard. Now, Leon is voiced by American writer and producer Brent Forrester, who has worked on shows like The Office, Undeclared, The Ben Stiller Show, and wrote four Simpsons episodes, which were Homer vs. Patty and Selma, Lemon of Troy, 22 short films about Springfield, and Homer Palooza. He also served as an executive producer on King of the Hill and wrote the episode Peggy's Turtle Song, which we will be getting to rather shortly. Besides voicing Leon Petard, Brent has one other voice role on King of the Hill, simply, uh, simply titled just as Dealer. And I just assume he's Jack from Jumpin' yeah. Crack Bass. <laughs> so I guess whenever they have like a shifty drug uh, guy, they call up uh, Mr. Brent Forrester to do the voice. Rock on. And he actually looked like a really cool dude. Like, he, yeah, he's the executive, executive producer on The Office for like all the episodes. And I thought it was cool because in the very, like in the finale of The Office, they have this, uh, this kind of like meet and greet with the cast because it's like a in... Uh, in the universe of the movie, like their office documentary gets aired and now they're famous. And so now they're asked, being asked questions. And in the audience, Brett, Brent Forrester is actually one of the people, in the, one of the members in the audience. So after all his hard work, he got to be on the show. And we were talking about it before we started recording and it was just like, you know Leon knows Jack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's got what he needs, Jack. Rock on. Rock on. 
Jack lives in the bus stop in Dallas. <laughs> I like that. What are you looking span? But uh, obviously, this shifty character is a pretty good con man, at least for the first bit, because he knows exactly what to say to Hank to get him in the door. Well, sir, phew, I probably shouldn't say this because it sounds kind of crazy. But after God, country, and family, what I love most is propane and propane paraphernalia. <laughs> it does seem like the answer to Hank's prayers. Like, we're just, like, he can forget all about Maria. Oh, Hank, Hank has, like, a bad time reading these, like, younger, like, males that he thinks that are going to be perfect. Like, yeah. in the, the Luan episode. Was Buck or, no, uh, the, Dale? The, the, the America it, shirt dude. Yeah, with the big Darryl? shiny belt buckle. Was his name Daryl? Oh, the hell's his name? I can't remember. But he turned into a grabby Sam as yeah, soon as Hank left. I know that. I think it was Daryl. But I think maybe Hank's just like that naive that these people can read him maybe right away and know how to like yeah. play to his tune, I guess. I think he really idolizes like people who he think he thinks like he wants Bobby to be like. Or you imagine like, like what him what he was yeah. once like. Or who he like wished he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's just like like lots of old people are like, yeah, you just you want to see what you want to see, and then you just as soon as you see what you think you want from it, you're just done. Like it's just like no, no, no need to think any further. <laughs> when he talks to that guy in the bar, he said, "You love your mama," and he's like, "Yes, sir." <laughs> <laughs> but you guys are you guys are totally spot on when you say that uh, these are like the young men that he wants Bobby to be. Because when he uh, after the interview, he gets home and he starts talking to Peggy. Uh, he drops this line. Leon's perfect, Peggy. He's like Bobby without all that stuff Bobby does. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, Hank hired Leon on the spot. He said, if, uh, if that's crazy, you just walked into a funny farm yeah. in, in reference to his uh, propane paraphernalia speech there. Yeah, like he didn't even read his resume, or at least he, he kind of like probably he didn't glanced read over it hard it enough. <laughs> Did he bring a resume? Yeah, because later on, Hank, like, references his resume. Because they're at the institutions that he went to that he thought yeah. were, like, technical colleges. So, uh, while we're on the topic of resumes, uh, I just wanted to mention that Dale's was on rip, like, ripped notebook paper out of a notebook. <laughs> like, lined piece of paper yeah, with binder funny. holes. <laughs> Obviously, he tells Peggy about that he's hired Leon, and that's when she really kicks off the jealousy and realizes that she didn't hire Maria. He didn't hire Maria because of her looks. Uh, and she just turns into kind of a crazy, jealous wife very quickly. Peggy, I didn't hire her. She's gone. I'll never see her again. Uh-huh. Except when you close your eyes and kiss me, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, Peggy's not happy about that. But, uh, <laughs> well, the following day... Hank buys a dozen donuts to welcome Leon to the team, and um, Leon doesn't show up. And, <laughs> but there is a deleted scene here where uh, Hank's, like, getting the donuts ready, writing his little note on it, and Buck walks by, and, like, just Hank says to Buck, like, you're going to really love the new employee. And then Buck's like, yeah, if, like, if he works out, you would probably be employee of the month next month, too. And then Hank's like, oh, maybe it'll be our new guy who will be the new employee of the month. <laughs> and then Buck's like, no, I already ordered 50 certificates. <laughs> <laughs> you could for the next time, guys. 
But anyway, that was cut out. So. Yeah, I uh, I remember I got employee of the month one time. It was really? my it was my first month on I the don't job. Think we ever had that anywhere I worked. Never. No, we never did that. It was at a movie theater. I remember I got a sweater uh, that said employee of the month on it, and the first thing I did was went out back and got stoned in it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Leon like just doesn't show up for like three hours. He shows up late. 45 minutes before lunch, I think. No, he wasn't late. He was early. (laughs) (laughs) But nobody else was here. (laughs) And then he makes up this outrageous story about... His story is my fucking favorite. (laughs) What time do we open? 8 o'clock. Yeah, I got here at 7 and you weren't here, so I wanted to get some coffee, right? But the waitress, uh, turns out her dog was sick, so I thought, hey, if I take her dog to the vet, she might buy some propane. You know, from us. So there's this line at the vet because of this farm accident. They're trying to keep it quiet. She might not hear about it. (laughs) But here I am with a customer's dog, and I just can't leave her. So I promise I'll never come to work early again. Well, that sure is a long story. (laughs) Yeah, that's how you know it's true. So let's sell some gas. Team Strictly rules. (laughs) Woo! So funny when he's like rambling on with that stupid like story. He's like periodically keeps like opening the blinds and peeking out. Did you see when he picks up the donut and smells it and then puts it back? Yeah. That reminds me of a friend I had over when I was in like grade two and we had burgers. God. <laughs> and he, and this he, was something else. Yeah, this it was so strange. weird. We were all just making our burgers and then like he's going to grab the lettuce and he picks it up. And he smells it, and then he just puts it back down. And we were like, what did you expect it to smell like? And what, it was like, and what part of it smelled not good yeah, enough to eat? Like, it was like, where are you from, boy? Like, <laughs> <laughs> what, did, what were you looking for? Like, yeah, he's a strange kid. So after uh, Leon promises to never be early again, um, Hank goes on. Showing Leon the ropes of Strickland, he's learning about the grills, and you could tell that Leon's getting more and more strung out and hasn't had his fix in a while. So it's not not long into the lesson that he quickly uh, disappears into the bathroom and comes out. (laughs) Hey, it's the Char King. (laughs) He is now feeling no pain whatsoever. (laughs) Does he call Hank the Char King? Who is he talking to? <laughs> oh man, like I I laughed probably the hardest in the whole episode at the lunch scene when he's sitting oh. in the break room and he's <laughs> just Uh Hey Leon, you might want to unwrap that sandwich now. Lunch has been over for about twenty minutes. <laughs> Like, I've definitely done that, where, like, I've been messed up and, like, had something in my hand. Like, I was supposed to eat it and just haven't eaten it for a long time. Like, at a music festival, you get, like, a nice hot poutine and it's just hot in your hand till it goes cold. And you're like, well, why did I eat this? <laughs> so like, Leon's, like, hunched over in the chair with, like, an unlit cigarette in his mouth. <laughs> He's just, like, watching Monsignor Martinez. <laughs> <laughs> After Hank uh, tells him the lunch has been over for a while, he gives him his best Monsignor Martinez impersonation. <laughs> okay, coach. 
via con Dios. Okay, then. <laughs> I like this ongoing uh, nickname that, that he keeps calling Hank Coach. <laughs> I, I think Hank likes it, too. Honestly, I'm going to start calling people Coach. So Hank's coach comes into Hank's office and asks him about the new hire, and Hank lies through his teeth and says, oh, yeah, he's going to be great. He's going to work out super good. And then Buck. Well, I could have sworn I saw him over by the trucks puking his guts out. (laughs) (laughs) I think following this is my favorite part of the episode where the the Strickland company phone rings, and Leon goes running up to it as if it's (laughs) T-Man. And then you get super bummed out when it's not. (laughs) T-Man? Oh. Strickland propane, taste the heat, not the meat. (gasps) Lord, no! (laughs) (laughs) Yo, man, you talked to T-Man lately? (laughs) (laughs) He hung hung up on me last time I talked to him. But honestly, I like that they lose a customer because he got (laughs) the slogan wrong. Like, there's a lost sale right off the bat. Nobody wants to taste the heat. <laughs> and he's just like hitting his head against the wall going, meat, heat, meat, heat. <laughs> yeah, and he knocks the, uh, the employee of the month certificate off the wall when Hank tries to put it up. So obviously he's got to find a, uh, a way around this situation because he's got to commit to the decision that he made. Uh, but he also needs work, some work to get done. So uh, who does he turn to but the next most qualified Bobby? <laughs> yeah, I mean, better to have Bobby work for pies than hire Leon pie eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he also, he probably, he says he worked for fruit pies, pretzels, and Newtons. <laughs> All kinds of Newtons. <laughs> All sorts of Newtons. Do you guys like Newtons? No. Are those the, like, little granola bar chunk things? It's like a yeah, little like granola soft. bar, but it's like fig yeah. inside. Yeah, dude. Um, so... Um, a little bit about my life <laughs> when I was like <laughs> when I was a kid that was like that was the snack in the house for like only a while like only until I was probably like seven oh, sorry. <laughs> only until I was probably like seven or like eight but I remember eating fig Newtons constantly and I have had them like in the last 10 years and I do not like them no. no, man. If that was the only snack in my house, I would starve. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if my mom liked them or what, but no, I ate them all the time when I was a kid because it was the only snack. It was like the after school snack for yeah, a like, few years. I don't think they start tasting good until you hit like 65. Did you have any, Dustin? Were that, like, was that around? Did you have those after school? Oh, that just me? Well, I, I, they were in the house. I remember that. And I always had this weird psychological battle with Fig Newtons because it was like before I ate it and like every time I saw the wrapper, I'm like, oh, I don't like those. And then I'd be eating it and I'd be like, do I like these? And then I'd finish it and I'd be like, I don't like those. <laughs> so it's like the kind of snack that I open and I start eating and I'm like, ah, Fuck, I don't like these. <laughs> I always, like, kind of had a hard time with them, too, because, like, I, lo- I like the ones with, like, the strawberry filling mm. or, like, even the blueberry filling ones. But if the fig ones, they're just... They're, they're not, pretty, they're pretty they're ass. They're not good at all. Yeah. But, uh... Moving on. Fun fact, we learn about Monsignor Martinez while Bobby's watching TV. Fans of Mexican soap operas know him as the evil Monsignor Martinez, but off-screen, this man of the cloth makes cloth into his own line of casual pants. <laughs> I just wanted to say, too, like, um, 
the beginning, like the whole first day with Leon, like that was like, must have been such a long day. <laughs> like, that was just one day. So, like, as we're going through all these uh, kind of es- escapades of Leon's, uh, I kind of was like, I was curious. I was like, you know, what if I was a manager and I saw I had this new employee and he's doing all this stuff? Um, I was like, what, uh, what are the signs of substance abuse in the workplace? So I looked up a whole list of, like, the 15 common signs of it in the workplace. Is one of them, like, smelling of Axe body spray? <laughs> because at our grocery store, that was the first sign. No, but it literally was, like, this This list is, like, Leon to a T. Frequent or prolonged absen- absences from work, usually without notification. Taking an excessive number of sick days without proper medical leave and only providing flimsy excuses and explanations. Frequent and lengthy trips to the bathroom. <laughs> Frequent lateness without good explanation. Roller coaster work performance, in quotes. And I believe uh, Hank even used that term, roller coaster, of sales. He'll get used to it. <laughs> uh, unusual number of mistakes, common tasks requiring increased effort, confusion, deterior- deteriorating relationships with coworkers. Uh, emotional flare-ups, unwillingness to take responsibility, unexplained deterioration of personal appearance and hygiene. So that's probably where the Axe body spray comes in. Uh, wearing long sleeve shirts in hot weather. And I, I didn't really notice. Did he, did he wear a lot of long sleeves? Is the idea there just to cover up track marks? Or? I think he like only wore like a long sleeve like button-up shirt, at least yeah. when he was working at Strickland. But I mean, shit, I like wearing long sleeves. Yeah, but do you know how hot it is in Texas? Yeah, you also like 106 in your shade. <laughs> it's my job to give the shots. But I just thought it was funny that the people writing this episode probably read the same list and were like, yeah, let's make him do all that. <laughs> so yeah, Leon's got a, a whole new filing system. Nobody asked him to. It has nothing to do with being a... a, a Parts associate or a grill associate, whatever his job title is, but I guess he's going to completely rework the filing system. And within a matter of moments, he's like curled up in the corner having a mental breakdown. <laughs> and Bobby has some words of advice. <laughs> this would go a lot faster if you helped. <laughs> I mean, Leon's like, there's more files here than stars in the universe. <laughs> there's like maybe a hundred like binder pem folders on the ground. <laughs> yeah. So poor Bobby is wasting his summer vacation. At least he's getting paid handsomely. <laughs> you had me at fruit pies. <laughs> so the next scene, uh, after Bobby's hard day of work, they're at the dinner table. Yeah, Bobby's throwing some shade. Yeah, do you notice like Peggy's like, oh, you barely touched your marrow. Yeah, what was that supposed to mean? Okay, so <laughs> is I that bone marrow? Into that because I was confused too. Yeah, I was like, dude, apparently it's like butter and it's delicious. Yeah, I used to work at like a somewhat fancy restaurant a couple years ago, and we had this like it was like a yuppie restaurant. Mm. We had like bone marrow butter, yeah, um, yeah. garlic bread, and it, it was pretty good. And it's actually like good for you. Like, there's this thing called bone broth where you make a broth out of the out of bone, and apparently it like it cures everything, like cancer, being fat. Cures everything. Whoa! Did we just find the cure for cancer? <laughs> it's it's cannibalism. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take we'll some sort of magic <laughs> unicorn bones. 
I can't believe we're geniuses. That's a billion dollar idea. Uh, it is nuts. Uh, you'll see a lot more of it. But that's not what Peggy's talking about. She's talking about marrow, the vegetable. Oh. It's like a zucchini. It's but like I a, like zucchini. Yeah, and, and that's why I'm, that's why she's confused that Bobby's not touching it. Oh, well, yeah, me too. Zucchini's delicious. Yeah, and that's what a marrow delicious. is. It's like a, it's like a zucchini-like vegetable. So it's just like a squash. <laughs> zucchini just wishes it was a cucumber. But <laughs> I love how pissed off Bobby is, and he's just like, he goes, I have to do all the work because Dad hired a drug addict. <laughs> I have to do all the work because Dad's new employee is a drug addict. <laughs> <laughs> like how savvy is Bobby to learn that before Hank's willing to accept that? Well, he, he's well, seen obviously. so many after you gotta school. gotta trust me on this. Yeah. When you've heard as many former athletes lecture at your school as I have, you get to know all the signs. <laughs> and, uh, the is ath- that a slide against Troy Aikman? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a current no, athlete. <laughs> and the... No, you the, the athlete he mentioned, um, well, one of one that he saw was uh, Too Tall Jones who is uh, a.k.a. Ed Jones, who's a, t- a retired American football player who played 50 seasons for the Dallas Cowboys from 1974 to 1989. He briefly left professional football in 1979 to attempt a professional boxing career, but was uh, short-lived. Was he too tall? Oh, guess how tall he was. 7'2". 6'9". Uh, 6'8". We have a winner, and it's Dustin Wall. Oh, what? Possibly looked over oh, my shoulder. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, nah, I did my own research. <laughs> um, the one thing that I thought was cool, no. I looked up one of his boxing matches, and yes, in fact, he is too tall. He wrecked that guy. It was like, uh, <laughs> it, I think it took very shortly into the second round, but like, he is all offense and no defense, which is weird because he played defensive end, but he was just swinging punches, no blocking at all. Did he suffer from addictions? No, I couldn't find anything on that. I think it's just keeping in theme with Texas people, famous cowboys. Um, yeah, he was actually uh, the first overall pick in the 1974 NFL draft. Number one, number one. But, I mean, like, I bet you, especially defensive I mean, you're on some painkillers, and back then they might not be like, oh, yeah, it's an addiction. Well, yeah, because the, the coaches were codependent enablers. That yeah. <laughs> yeah, so do you guys think that, like, Hank – well, like, Luann says it later that, like, Hank's in denial. Mm-hmm. Do you think Hank, like, is – I think he is in denial. Like, I think he deep down knows, like, yeah, Leon, he, like Leon's he, a – he if tries to if de- not a junkie, something. Well, he tries to defend him by saying he's a little slow, and those, that clearly isn't the behavior of someone who's a little slow. Well, <laughs> he's pretty excited. Like, Bill's a little slow. <laughs> yeah, Hank doesn't want to... Well, first of all, Hank doesn't want to be wrong in his hire because it's like spitting in Buck Strickland's face for the last 41 months. <laughs> but also, he would then need to admit that he should have hired this woman who was well-qualified, but... He was just so quick to judge Leon positively just to get Maria out of his head. He was so happy to just assume that Leon was what he wanted. You're, I think you're exactly right there because he for sure 100% knows that the guy's a drug addict. Yeah, for sure, but he, doesn't, he is in denial. He, oh, he's not going to admit it for sure. Um, but it becomes blaringly obvious uh, when Miss Throckmorton comes into Strickland. <laughs> now, Miss Throckmorton, with our new electronic debit system, you never even have to check your bill. 
Oh, my, that does sound convenient. That doesn't sound like Miss Throckmorton, doesn't it, right? Yeah, that's not Cheryl Holiday. No. We can't even do a big round table. God. We can't even do one? Fuck. I want to throw it up to Cheryl Holiday. It's, it's not her. And yeah, because yeah, she wasn't credited for it either. That's just someone quickly filling in while uh, Cheryl was hitting the booze somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can we hear it one more time? Now, Miss Throckmorton, with our new electronic debit system, you never even have to check your bill. Oh, my, that does sound convenient. That sounds like a man. That sounds like a, that's a man. You shouldn't say mister. That's a man. <laughs> so Buck walks Miss Throckmorton into Strickland Propane, and who do we see uh, leaning against the wall in a chair foaming at the mouth with flies buzzing around him? But Leon, of course, Hank's new hire. And Buck loses his shit. Yeah, and then Hank's like, oh, don't worry, Buck. He's as good as fired. And then, like, Buck kind of takes him aside and is like, well, like, make sure you, like, f- sort of, like, let him down nicely. Because they don't, don't want him to clock tomorrow with a 45. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I, like, I don't know if you guys noticed, but, like, when Hank and Buck are talking, like, off in the corner, um, what's her name? Miss Throckmorton is poking Leon. Yeah, she's like, <laughs> poking his face. So, yeah, and then after that, um... Hank pulls him into his office and has to give him the talk, basically. And uh, he does try to let him down nicely, but I think he beats too far around the bush for this slow-minded gentleman because he's saying, like, you know, there's lots of other things you could do. And he's like, oh, well, I got some tools I haven't pawned yet. And he's like, yeah, you could be a mechanic. Yeah. <laughs> and then he misunderstands it as now being the chief mechanic for the trucks at Strickland Propane. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, I don't know if you guys remember, but what he wanted to do for his first rule of business. Hank, as your new chief mechanic, what I'd like to do first is fire Enrique. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I wish, I'm like, I know it's, like, it's probably good that we did, but there was, like, some backstory to that. Like, what did oh, Enrique Oh, dude, 100% Leon was puking by Enrique's truck. <laughs> <laughs> and Enrique <laughs> ratted on him. Hank, as your new chief mechanic, what I'd like to do first is fire Enrique. <laughs> Like what? Even even if he was the chief mechanic, like what a terrible first thing to do is you get hired into a position and then you just fire somebody. Can a mechanic fire a driver? <laughs> no. Why? Why? No, he can't. <laughs> Where are we at? We're at uh, uh, the so in, he's oh he's, he's with Twig Boy. Yeah, I'll round this put out. No, oh, he's still trying to fire him. Yeah, because okay, so the next clip I have is Leon being disgruntled in the parking lot. Hmm. That's when he's got to So somebody's got to take. Uh, I can I can finish this off. And uh, Hank finally gets the point across to Leon that he or he at least gets him to leave the premise. If and he says, as of five o'clock today, you're fired. But why don't you take the rest of the afternoon off and go and get yourself some help? And he gives him a a business card for a, for a rehab clinic and. I don't think Leon quite understands because he's so fucking doped up, and I think he still thinks he's the new chief mechanic, but either way, he wanders off. He's got to understand a fair deal because, like, he roped that in pretty nicely to enroll for mm-hmm. rehab before the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, flash forward to the next day, and um, Joe Jack, 
he sees Leon in the parking lot, and apparently he looks quite disgruntled. Leon's in the parking lot, and he looks disgruntled. The whole Strickland crew runs and ducks and hides under their desks, and like nobody leaves, which is like they probably had time to run out the back door. <laughs> I'm surprised that they don't all have guns. Yeah, you'd think like at least Buck has like a, oh, his own forty-five. I mean, it's Texas. <laughs> yeah. They all have a gun in their desk. I'm sure it's a Strickland own piece of property, including <laughs> <But> Leon. I mean, <laughs> he's got one. So the, Leon shows up and he's like, I'm "Sorry, I have to do this, Coach." <laughs> and Hank like, like closes his eyes and braces to be like shot in the head. I guess like that's just how Hank Hill is gonna end. But in fact, he has someone with him, a familiar friend of ours from none other than the pilot episode. Anthony Page, a.k.a. Twig Boy. Twig Boy. <laughs> Twig Boy. Hello, Mr. Hill. Anthony Page, group leader, One Last Chance House. I was so pumped when I saw him coming because I thought that was like, you know, we weren't going to get Anthony, any, Anthony anytime soon. And I just have in all capitals in my notes, Twig Boy is back. <laughs> there is a deleted scene when... Uh, Twig boy is over there, like talking to Hank when Hank's ducking behind the desk, and he looks up and he just says, "Twig boy." <laughs> <laughs> See, I guess they didn't want there to Hank to like have an immediate like connection to the pilot then if they cut that scene out because I don't think he calls him Twig boy. It's at also all. like just like the way he says it is like really awkward. Like yeah, and like but he also like reintroduced himself as Anthony Page. Like it wasn't that long ago where he was Hank was kicking him out of his own house. True, but like. It, it was really weird. Like, Hank was, cru- like, cuddled up under his desk and also kind of looking, like, angry and menacing, but from a really bad angle. So he kind of looked like Smeagol, just like, <laughs> Twig Boy. And it was, like, really out of... It didn't work. Was it an animatic or was it fully no, animated? No, it was fully animated. I think they just cut it out because it looked weird, maybe. Fair enough. It probably did or look like, weird. Maybe, I don't know. But it sounds like Anthony's kind of moved on from being with social services. And yeah, he's, now he's got rehabilitation. a new job. Yeah. But he's still got that yeah. hurt wrist carpal tunnel. <laughs> I remember in the pilot. Lattes, <laughs> yeah, in the pilot he had uh, both wrists. Uh, but I guess just in this one he's only got the one. Is he um, Is he that guy's dad uh, useless? No. no. Oh, okay. that's, always He's a successful <laughs> patent lawyer. It's Randy. Randy and yeah, you, useless useless. <laughs> Uh, Twig Boy, that's our uh, our main man, David Herman, close personal friend of the show. And uh, he liked one of your Instagram posts. <laughs> <laughs> two, buddy. Oh, two. Sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, Leon, or sorry, uh, Twig Boy, Anthony. He goes on to tell Hank that he goes, "Did you know? Did you realize that this man was a drug addict when you hired him?" Hank's like, "No, of course not. I wouldn't have fucking hired him if he was a drug addict." He's like, "Well, you can't fire him because being a drug addict makes you disabled," and that like he has the. I can't remember what it's called, the list. It's like the American... Uh, yeah. It's, I think, the American Disability Worker... Or Workers with Disabilities Act. I did look this thing up online on ashwoodrecovery.com. <laughs> I believe it's American. And it does say, in most cases, you cannot be fired for admitting you have a problem with addiction. Depending on your circumstances, circumstances your disease may be protected under the law. If you have an addiction to drugs or alcohol and you want to get treatment, you know. Well, it goes on, but like. Now, I don't know if this is a law in America, but I know in Canada, you can be fired within three months of starting any job for literally any reason at all. Yeah, you got like three months probation, and then when you're done, you're 
you can't be fired. So Leon could totally be fired just because they don't like him in the first three months. I mean, maybe not in America. And it would, no, I mean, Buck even later when Hank gets his job back says it's a six-month probationary period. So they, they referenced that thing. And it's funny that they don't act on it when they have Leon. Yeah. I worked with a guy who was a drug addict, and he showed up to work one morning drunk out of his mind, crying his eyes out, and like having a complete and total mental breakdown. And my bosses couldn't fire him. They had to, the company had to pay for him to go to rehab for like six weeks or whatever. So. But yeah, but not said, show up no, to work. No, no, no. <laughs> it's against the law to fire this man. He's a drug addict. Are you sure you don't want to shoot me? So it goes to commercial uh, at that moment, and we come back, and we get a nice callback to season one again. Thanks for the latte, Leon. <laughs> so is that what he does with his clients? <laughs> his poor drug-addicted clients? It's like, yeah, hey, can you go get me a latte? I don't even think Leon knows what that is. And uh, so we further the explanation of, you know, why Leon has to uh, keep working here. And uh, Buck, just he's beside himself with rage. And they kind of explain that uh, you can't uh, discriminate based on, like, weight or uh, sexual orientation or, like, you know, eyesight. And uh, so Buck screams. Yeah, well, right now, I'd kill for a big, fat, blind gay guy if we could just get some damn work done around here. <laughs> but, uh, of course, no work's going to be getting done because uh, 9 o'clock is too too early, simply too early for Leon to start work. He uh, has treatment until 11, uh, and then he's got to take his methadone. Uh, so the lights will need to be dimmed because he's going to be dilating pretty heavily. What is the treatment if it isn't methadone? Hey. Uh, Anthony? Mm-mm. Eight's not gonna work for Leon. He's got withdrawal therapy until 11. But then I take my methadone, so I should be feeling pretty good by the time I get here. <laughs> okay, that makes more sense. But, uh, I like at the end of this little sequence, uh, <laughs> it's all kind of over and done with, and we realize that Leon is staying for good, and we have to kind of accommodate his terms. He's, uh, happy with it, so he has to. I'm gonna go throw up now, coach. <laughs> Just the melancholy high as fuck Leon. <laughs> it's like doing like one of the most horrible things pers- like people do. <laughs> throwing up and he's like, all right, coach. <laughs> but uh, uh, following that scene, we get another uh, another one where Hank and Peggy are in bed together. And Hank once again is telling Peggy about all his struggles and problems that he's having at work. And Peggy goes on to tell Hank that a company with uh, 15 employees or more Sorry, a company with uh, 15 empl- or less than 15 employees doesn't have to follow these rules because they're, uh, I guess, a different size of business. So if you have less than 15 employees, you don't have to go through all these. Uh, you don't have to accommodate the drug addict disabled. So she lets that slip, and it, it comes back in the episode, which we, we find out. Yeah, I remember when she mentioned that, I was like, oh, that is kind of just, you don't really throw that in out of nowhere. That's going to come into play later. Like, somebody's going to have to go. But uh, I didn't expect it to be Hank, honestly. She does get jealous again, too. About, yeah. Um, it was, he can't escape that. Like, she's Hank? a bitch. <laughs> if you stop talking about her, we can get some sleep. <laughs> yeah. But uh, And then the next day, uh, we see uh, beloved Joe Jack. Uh, and he's looking at the board, honey. And he's, uh, he's reading this Disability Act and uh, realizes that he can be so angry, he's handicapped. 
and when Joe Jack kind of starts this trend, everybody also catches on. I love it when he first approaches Hank and he's like, hey, I got a bone to pick with you about Jimi Hendrix over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, the, uh, the diseases that everybody comes up with are pretty creative, uh, and I really like the first guy's form of OCD. Sorry, Hank, I suffer from obsessive compulsive disorder. If I get out of this chair, Garth Brooks is going to die. <laughs> Fucking G. <laughs> And that was uh, Jason Adderley, who we were talking about earlier. Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> like, when the... Un- I was obsessive-compulsive. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, just before that scene, when, uh, like, Leon shows up and he's got his sunglasses on, and he's like, now, please. <laughs> That's what <laughs> Hank has to dim the lights. So, like, Strickland just looks ridiculous. It looks like a daycare at nap time. Like, the lights are <laughs> dimmed and everyone is just lounging around. And Debbie's just laying on the couch. <laughs> Yeah, and that's our first appearance of Debbie Grund. Uh, I think she makes four appearances in King of the Hill. Um, she doesn't speak in this episode. She doesn't speak in another episode, but she's a main character in a real fun two-parter episode that we'll get to when we hit season four. Hector claims he has something called priapism. He wants a roomier workstation and a view of Debbie. <laughs> <laughs> what does he have? It's some made-up thing. I don't know. Yeah. Hector claims he has something called priapism. Yeah, I couldn't make that out what he was actually... Yeah. And then that Debbie one, has the yuppie flu. The yuppie flu. Because Hector's always like the one that almost kind of sounded like it could be real. So it's just like, I don't know what that means. But I mean, I guess the symptoms are not real. <laughs> nobody, nobody who's sick needs a view of Jeppy. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, this is unacceptable, and Hank can't stand it, but uh, Peggy comes to work. Uh, I'm not exactly sure why she comes to his work. I guess to pick up propane, maybe? No, I don't know. It just really bugs me, because she's like, what the H is going on here? (laughs) Is Bobby still, like, here? Maybe she's... Maybe she's coming to pick or drop lunch off for Bobby and Hank, or... I mean, maybe those files are still, you know, need picking up. But uh, anyways, she uh, she comes in, and I'm pretty sure Debbie shushes her, because Debbie's trying to get some sleep. Uh, and and Peggy can't believe what's going on, and Hank can't believe what's going on, and Buck uh, comes up with this great idea to make a change around here. Put on your fancy clothes, hop a greyhound to Dallas, and buy every pill, pipe, powder you can find. See, you spread the stuff around like roach traps, and we'll get that boy hooked again. I love this plan. <laughs> this plan is great. It's flawless yeah, and it's idiot Buck's plan's the best. Like, <laughs> it involves fancy clothes, bus tickets, pills, pipes, and everything you well, can find. It just makes sense because like, driving in Dallas sucks, but you could take the bus in and you're already where the drugs are sold. So like, it's just your one-stop shop. I just don't know what the fancy clothes are for. It's so you don't get kicked off the bus. Oh, of course. And I think... That's probably the most inhumane thing you can do to a, dr- uh, you know, a recovering user is to get them hooked again. <laughs> Think about like the, like the outlying consequences of just littering your workplace with drugs and pipes. <laughs> like, you know it's going to fall off the wagon anyway. Well, like, <laughs> <laughs> with that attitude, yeah. But they need him to do it like in plain sight. Yeah, but the, I work with truck drivers. Hank's going to get, or Buck's going to get them all inadvertently hooked on drugs. <laughs> they have no self-control. <laughs> so Hank uh, 
he uh, he basically says, you know what, Buck? Like, uh, with all due respect, I got a better idea. And his better idea is to come up with his own symptoms uh, and try to get Twig Boy back here uh, to accommodate Hank. Yeah, his idea kind of sucks. Like, 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 Buck's idea is way better. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we see Twig Boy kind of marching in, and he, it feels like he was kind of in a rush because he's like, I heard you were under some sort of discrimination or something like that. Well... I mean, I think Hank's idea is pretty good because obviously it's bullshit. So the second that any of them were to say like, oh, your thing's bullshit, then they're all in trouble for discriminating against him, right? But the funny thing is, is that Twig Boy totally like doesn't do that. He, he just calls Hank's out and let everybody else <laughs> bask in the fun. Well, yeah, but then that forces Hank, that gives ground, Hank grounds to quit. Yeah, but was that part of Hank's plan, or was that just like a good opportunity Hank seized on in the moment? I, I, think, I always think, it's I think like it was an in the moment. He seized in, in the moment. Because I think he totally thought that having GWS was going to get everybody to be yeah. working 110%. I agree. I think I think Hank expected Anthony or whatever to be like, oh, you have GWS? Oh, no. Like, yeah, I'll write up a newsletter yeah. <laughs> and, and make sure everybody has to work hard. I don't know. I think this is Hank's second run-in with this guy. I think Hank was just trying to prove his point. To, I think Hank was trying to prove that the dude was, like, making shit up, that all these people were making stuff up because if Hank can make something up, that they're like, oh, that's bullshit. Then he can, like, really throw it in his face and then say, well, I quit. I mean, I don't know, though. Buck's reaction to it is pretty not – he doesn't jump on it. like. No, like, halfway through that interaction, Buck just, like, whispers to Hank, like, I'm going to get you a bus ticket to Dallas. <laughs> you see, I recently came to realize that I, too, suffer from a disability. It's called GWS, Good Worker Syndrome. I get sick to my stomach unless everyone around me is given 110%. The symptoms include pride, responsibility, and a feverish enthusiasm. It used to be a common condition among Americans. I love, like, Hank's just, like, goody-goody, like, that's the best he could come up with. Good worker syndrome. <laughs> it's like, come on. It's so lame. <laughs> yeah, it's not even clever. Like... <laughs> No, it's it's not at all. And Anthony, the twig boy, uh, just is like hor like horribly offended by it. He goes, "You are sick, sir. It's people like you that ruin it for everyone else." The first thing he says after Hank's finished is, "Ew." <laughs> you should go back to Los Angeles. After uh, Hank's GWS experiment is shut down by the twig boy, Leon's there and he's high again. He's on his methadone, <laughs> and he says he doesn't want to be called Leon anymore because that's the name. <laughs> That's the name he used drugs with. He doesn't want to have that handle anymore. And what does he want to be called? Well, he wants to be Hank Hill. Hank Hill. And, of course, that's totally acceptable. And Hank finally puts his foot down. <laughs> he goes, no, that is it. And it's funny because Anthony's just like, I wasn't talking to you, Hank. I was talking to Hank. <laughs> that isn't up to you, Hank. Yeah. It's up to Hank. <laughs> Hot dang, Hank, you done it. Oh, thank you, sir. Not you, you're fired. <gasps> Now Strickland's just small enough to skirt the law. Y'all get back to work. So obviously everything's kind of working out, and the episode's coming to a close, and Buck and Hank uh, kind of meet up again, and uh, he uses this phrase that I'm probably going to incorporate into my everyday life. Well, son, you pulled our wieners out of the campfire just in time. 
<laughs> he's got some uh, rat hair in the tuna. Yeah. He's got a lot of good ones. We out of the campfire, rat hair in the tuna. I'm your daddy. <laughs> I'm your daddy. So they're obviously in the job interview, and Hank sees himself as the manager, assistant manager in five years, and he gets the job uh, on, you know, the six-month probationary period. Well, especially based off of the past couple Hank Hills yeah, that they've had working for. <laughs> the other one quit. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, so they kind of finish up their meeting or no, they're interrupted by Joe Jack again. Well, so after Hank gets rehired, um, Buck introduces her, introduces him to their new sales associate and it's (laughs) Maria Maltalvo and (laughs) Maria just tells Hank how excited she is to work with him and gives him a hug and then (laughs) squeezes his ass. Yeah. (laughs) And then who is Joe Jack interrupts and Huggy's in the parking lot. She looks disgruntled. <laughs> oh! Through the Strickland window, you could just see Peggy like storming towards the front door with her arms firmly planted at her side. It's like, how did she know that Maria got hired? Like, who told her? <laughs> and it's, it's probably the Gribble report. <laughs> <laughs> I think she knew that she grabbed. Hank's ass. It's kind of like your dad with a thermostat, like she just knew it happened. Yeah, pretty much. So before we do our final thoughts, there was a kind of during credits scene where Hank's drawn na- or writing names on a bunch of paper cups. In walks Debbie Grun, uh, and she's just like, uh, what's with all the paper cups? And I at first didn't understand like what he was doing, but obviously he's giving everybody a drug test. And because Bobby is a summer employee... <laughs> I love that Bobby was... Yeah, he's going to test for that 12-year-old's that got in him. <laughs> if we're coming to our final thoughts, do we want to let uh, our guest take it away here with his first final thoughts? Uh, okay. <laughs> I really like this episode. It's probably one of my favorites. I don't know if it would be, like, top five, but probably top ten for sure. Talk number six. Yeah, six, seven, eight. Maybe even five. Well, that's top five. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, I just thought it was super funny. Like, and yeah. I guess if I, I could say one thing I do like is that, like, King of the Hill's, like, not afraid to go dark. Some pretty heavy shit, like drug addiction. And, like, they, like, make it funny, but they also, like, I don't know. Like, they still tell a story, like, with, like, respect to the story, you know? No, I agree with you. And honestly, like, the way that they depicted Leon was probably, like, the most lighthearted heroin addict I, I could probably yeah, see, I mean, you know? Like, we only get to see the we, good you side. You don't really see the dark side of yeah, Leon, yeah. but... Because he's always high, which is probably pretty good for him. And he's him. not really a sympathetic figure either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I dug this episode. I thought it was pretty good. I, you know, I would have really liked to see a lot more of Bobby at Strickland, but, like, I can kind of see why... Not. I also might have even, like, I mean, if I was, you know, going to go off and come up with my own ideas for the episode again, I would have liked to have framed it around Bobby's perception of it. Maybe, like, it starts with two tall Jones coming to the school and, like, maybe Bobby being, like, the one who really is, like, on top of what a drug addict is and, like, maybe have, like, could have some a lot of good scenes with Buck and Bobby. Like, maybe instead of bringing in Twig Boy, Bobby is the one who takes him through, like, a I mean, rehabilitation, you could still, maybe? you could still have Twig Boy, but I mean, even Bobby did a little bit of that, said, like, Bobby was the one who was kind of like, yeah, no, I've seen this because the guy's a drug addict. Mm-hmm. 
I would have just maybe liked to have seen how like Hank, because this is Hank trying to just get his employee. <clears throat> if Hank's ulterior motive to any of this is like Maria Montalvo, I think that falls flat. Whereas like it could have been more like this guy being a drug addict and trying to protect his son from that kind of world and like you know i think i think it could have been a good uh, comparison there but it was a really good episode either way really funny i agree with you and like it kind of makes me want to see a take your son to work day episode or like take your son to work week and just have Bobby doing random tasks around Strickland. I mean, there has been a few times where Bobby and Buck have been in the same scene, and it always is great. <laughs> I'll give my two sets. I love this episode. I may go as far to say that it is my favorite of season two. I haven't decided yet. I'm thinking about it. I like this episode so much because it's it's a slower episode. It reminds me of an episode that you would see in season one, but it's. It's just, like, that much funnier. I think it's with Leon Saves It. Like, Brent Forster's not a voice actor. He has two acting roles in his life, and it's just him because he was the producer of King of the Hill. But he just, he does it so good. Like, I don't know if he moonlights as a drug addict, but, like, <laughs> like I feel like everybody has kind of known someone similar to that in their lives. Like, maybe you work with them. Maybe, like, they're a functioning drug addict who's in, like, your family, like a cousin or something, where it's, like, you find out years later that they were popping pills the whole time. I mean, obviously, Leon was an obvious drug addict, but... I mean, for those couple scenes, when like especially during the interview, he was just a normal guy, and I can really relate to like knowing people like that and just like the lies that they tell and like the 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 holes that they bury themselves into with their uh, lies and drug drug addicts are the best con men. That's oh yeah, just a fact. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and those like overly elaborate stories you hear that you're like, oh, okay, man. Like, yeah, it's like you're the, that's how you know it's true. You're the only <laughs> person that believes this story. Like, yeah, it's like come on but no I, I love the episode I thought it was really sharp um, it was a, I've said this many times but it, it was to me uh, like a King of the Hill episode like I don't think a lot of other shows could do that and do it as well as they did so yeah no complaints over here yeah there's not very many shows especially animated from Fox that would really like to take that real look at like something rather than ridiculous take on it because, like, Leon was, like, a, a ridiculous character in itself, but the things he did were not ridiculous in a drug addict. Like, that's just drug addict behavior. And, like, I mean, it wasn't like he was, like, blew up, like, half of the warehouse supply of propane or did something, like, seriously irreparable. Mm -hmm. that, and, like, that was why, like, the worst he did was, like, take too long at lunch and puke behind the truck. And you know what I mean? Like, it's like those are, re those are things that happen at work places probably every day yeah and i think my favorite trait that they gave to leon which i think is like the most like enduring that i've seen of like people who i know who i know are like drug addicts who don't think that i know are drug addicts is like when they're not high they're always on edge and like looking out the window it's like when leon's doing that in the office. yeah it's like they're constantly like in a co like in a constant state of like i'm gonna be jumped soon for whatever i did the night before so like they're just puttering around and like constantly on guard and i love that they you know Gave that to Leon. Yeah, it was good. He was really believable. And I did like the behavior that they did give him, like how he was just super chill about everything. It's the Char King. <laughs> yeah, it calls, calls Hank Coach. But uh, I guess, does that bring our meeting to a close, everyone? I just want to mention it's our first episode in the new clubhouse, so it went well. Yeah, I mean, this is a temporary clubhouse. Well, yeah. 
same building. <laughs> yeah, we're in the we're in the we're in the sunroom of the clubhouse. It's so scenic, it's distracting. <laughs> it is. It's very nice. You can see the garden out there. Not uh, being watered. Where? <laughs> <Eight. laughs> Wake up! <laughs> yes, uh, it is the uh, it is the first official episode in the new place. Uh, Cheers. So cheers to that. Cheers. And uh, we'll give a final round table We Matanya. We Matanya! Oh, here we go. on Twitter at Utsakothpod or follow us on Instagram at Utsakothpod or look for us on Facebook at Order of the Straight Arrow, a King of the Hill podcast. Catch new episodes every Sunday night. Please share this podcast with your friends and feel free to contact us by email at Utsakothpod at gmail.com. Please, no hate mail. Hey, what's your crying for, boy? It's a good show. This is a damn good show. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and in no way reflect the views and opinions of Mike Judge, Greg Daniels, or Fox Studios. The external audio used in this podcast is not owned by the Order of the Straight Arrow or its affiliates and is presented in good faith to its copyright owners. Please don't sue us.